You're listening to the Leadership Upside Podcast. I'm your host, Chuck Carriger. On this podcast, we discuss what successful leaders are doing, saying, and thinking. Now let's dive in. Our guest today is Micah Stevens. Micah is a co-founder and CEO of Paper Giants. Paper Giants, based in Knoxville, Tennessee, is a company that helps organizations tell bigger stories, teach bolder truths, and better train their teams. Paper Giants collaborates with their clients to create custom-designed content and products. Micah, welcome to Leadership Upside. Thank you so much for having me. How are you doing? Doing very well. Thank you. Micah, before we discuss Paper Giants and the work you're doing there, why don't you just give us an introduction to Micah Stevens? Yes, sir. Again, thank you so much for having me on. Honored known you for quite some time, and it is unbelievable to be a part and have a conversation about leadership. And my name is Micah. Like you mentioned, I've recently started uh, Paper Giants Incorporated, but for as long as I can remember, art and creativity have been a passion of mine and has been since I can, so back as I can remember watching movies and seeing musicals, I've always wanted to be a part of that world and, and helping tell stories and helping people feel different things and when it comes to either selling products or buying products or just in their daily lives, I think, you know, just art is such, such a special thing for me. And so as far back as I can remember, middle school, high school, college, it's always been something that's been a powerful source for me. So that's why I kind of founded Paper Giants and that's what I still do today. And so artwork has been something that is just really special to me. And that's kind of synonymous with who I am. And that's kind of what I'm doing today. Cool. Well, I, I look forward to digging into the art and creativity uh, part a little bit more as we go. But um, let me stay on on uh, keep my train of thought going. Uh, Paper Giants creates content and products for your clients. Yes, sir. Can you give us a little bit of insight into what that looks like? Absolutely. Our desire and mission is to create content to give leaders more margin to grow. So leaders, business leaders, and you are is as you're in the know of that and those people is more than anybody, but they at times can get bogged down in the content creation for their marketing, their branding, their origin story, telling their story right, telling it in a clear and concise way to get the people that they care about, that they want to be their customer or their clients or their team members. And what we want to do is do some of the legwork to give them more margin to build their businesses. Because a lot of times it takes so much of their capacity because it's not in their gift mix to create or it's not in their gift mix to write copy or design or film. And so we want to help supplement that part of their building that part of their business so they have more time to do what they really started their companies to do, which is either build their teams, grow their clientele, meet the marketplace need. And we want to help help them do that and, and partner with companies so that they can be as effective as they want to be. Okay, fantastic. Now, I'll, I'd like to peel the next layer uh, off of that. Uh, let's, yes. uh, and, and I know that, that uh, your company has started strong. So how long have you been in business? We started January 1st of this year, so we are three months in. Okay, and and as I understand it, uh, it's been a good start for Paper Giants. 
Absolutely. And yeah, I'm not sure uh, your listeners how many have launched a company, but I think you get a lot of natural momentum if you have a lot of people rooting for you. And I've been absolutely blessed to have a lot of people in my community and around me that really want to see us do well. So I've shared with a lot of their friends and a lot of their uh, business partners, and we've just got a lot of warm contacts. And I feel like I've done the legwork to meet them, call them, and uh, do the best to add value to them. So we've just got just a real blessing. And I don't want to call it luck because I think that word is not necessarily needed in in the marketplace, but just really been blessed to have the, the, just the warm contact list that a lot of people don't start with. They start with a blank page. I started with, with several people that I had to call and I just had a really cool opportunity to, to start off strong. It's exciting to hear how well it started and you're spot on about the difference between having uh, warm contacts and as you say, uh, a blank sheet of paper. And, and, uh, you know, I've always believed that if we, um, provide a, a quality product or a quality service, and we uh, really over-deliver, then those warm contacts will be glad to tell someone else um, that that uh, could potentially use our service. And so I'm thrilled for you and your team that um, Paper Giants has gotten off to such, such a good start. Let me I ask you to go back to the content creation and how you help business leaders have more margin to grow. Can sure. you give us an example, a specific example of, of how you've partnered with a particular client of yours? And you don't have to reveal the client, but partnered with someone and what you did for them so that our listeners could have a better understanding of just one example of an actual service or product that you provide. Absolutely. Uh, I'll give you the, uh, the local company's name. There's a local coffee shop called K-Brew. Hopefully, if you're a coffee lover or a bagel lover, you've been at one of their locations. Unbelievable local Knoxville company, if you are local to Knoxville. And their founder, his name is Pierce LaMancha, an unbelievable young entrepreneur building and just has a great mind for business. And we met up with them and they were kind of in a transition staff-wise and needed some he actually uh, contacted me and said, "Do I know? Do I did I know anybody in the marketing world? He needed a marketing director, and I just felt an opportunity. And I said, "Hey Pierce, why don't we? Why don't my company fill the gap with you? Let's supplement your marketing while you look for somebody, and maybe you'll never need that role. Or if you do find them in the in the in the meantime, we'll, we'll support you." And so we agreed on that. And so for several months now. We have been working with K Brew. And so instead of having to do artwork and uh, build his Instagram following and launch his uh, blogs to, to engage more people and his SEO for his website and, and Google AdWords, instead of focusing on all those things, he got to launch a brand new uh, location off Ebenezer that is absolutely blowing up right now. It's their first drive through, it's our, their fourth location. But there was so much. There was so much internally that he had to focus on when it came come to team training because of the drive-through aspect of it that he didn't have to worry about any of his digital stuff because we were taking care of that. So he had margin to train his team. And now if you, obviously, if you are in the West Knoxville area and you've been to the Ebenezer Caber location, you have an amazing experience both in the store and through the drive-through because Pierce was able to focus on that while we took care of his marketing needs. So in that instance, what that client needed was marketing support, and you yep. provided that. It, but you're not just a marketing company, is that correct? Yes, sir. We're not a mar- we, uh, we do we, we, content uh, marketing is still uh, one of the main focuses. We, again, digital engagement and helping 
We say we want to help give businesses stone-sized solutions to topple any giant in their way. Again, it goes back to paper giants. And so if the giant is digital engagement, if the giant is poor employee retention and you need better uh, training for your teams internally or externally. So we really want to try to provide several avenues to help businesses support internally and externally. If it's growing your customer base or if it's growing an internal morale and helping train, if you want to build your own training, we, we can supply, we can supply training. So yes, but that was a specific marketing and digital artwork need that we met and they've been really happy. And we've seen some really cool growth in K-Brew specifically. Mike, just off the top of your head, as you think about your early clients, has most of it been in the marketing space or is there another lane that you would say has been the most um, used service that you provide? Sure. That's a great question. And so marketing is such a, a large it covers such a, a large swath of services within an organization. So when you come to marketing, you can go all the way from brand, brand management to graphic design, to copy editing, to website management. There's so many things in the creative service world that marketing covers. That's why we call it it's, it's marketing or, or brand or branding, brand management. And so a lot of it is covering marketing. So I would say this podcast is marketing uh, for your company. I would say Almost everything that you do, both while you are coaching clients, when they're talking about you, how they feel about you is is marketing and branding. And so almost everything we do can actually come under marketing, but content development and if uh, other businesses need any other support, it almost always can be kind of put under that umbrella of marketing. So that's why you know a lot of it is marketing services, but it can some people put those things in different buckets under in an organization. That was helpful. I appreciate you unpacking a little bit of uh, the the services you provide and giving us a specific example. So, Mikey, you have taken a leap that I think uh, many professionals at one point in their professional career consider, and that is you've started your own business. What's that been like? And can you tell us about the journey, how you arrived at a place to say, okay, now's the time I'm going to do this? Absolutely. And I, and I love this conversation. I was hoping we were going to really get involved in this because entrepreneurship and starting something has been a, a real passion of mine, even though at some point I feel like it was a weakness of mine because I got so distracted because I wanted to try this thing over here or this shiny thing over there. And so for probably the last five years now, I've felt this pull in me to begin and start something that I could call my own and really structure something and customize something that really fit within my gift mix so that I could add value to others. And so over the last five years, I've had conversations. I've almost taken the jump. I've done this, you know, I've had a conversation and I almost jumped here and all these different times led to this culmination of a conversation I was having with a friend of mine in a restaurant actually about purchasing a gym uh, for I have no reason. I heard a gym that I was going to was up for sale and I was thinking, I wonder if I could Maybe I could maybe buy that or be a part of that. So I, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine and then just my heart started speaking and was telling him about some things that I was thinking. And he, uh, just being a really influential guy, said, hey, how much would you need to start something like you're talking about? And I was like, what are you, what are you saying? He was like, well, I would potentially be very interested in um, stuff you're talking about. I think it's a need. And so we kept that conversation going. And so that was probably the real catalyst for me making a transition when someone said, hey, I believe in you. I believe in you so much, I'm willing to financially and get involved in that belief. 
And then we had, a, we for like 90 days had that conversation and then launched January 1. But it was, it was a long journey of me, you know, really in turmoil inwardly because I was a part of a great organization that really cared for me and took really good care of me, both monetarily and organizationally. And so taking a leap out of there was, was hard and scary, still is today. But, you know, I thought it was a, a perfect culmination of something that I felt like I could really be successful at in a time that I think was, was there was a gap in the, in the marketplace for me to meet it. Okay, Mike, I, I want to ask you about the partnering. And I, I would imagine that uh, there are, are uh, people listening who, um, if they had that conversation, they might not have any idea what is the appropriate amount to partner. In other words, hey, is this a 10% partner? Is this a 20% partner? And how much money does a partner uh, support you with or invest, and for how long are you partners? You you likely have learned uh, a lot about that entire process just because you've taken on a partner and you've started a business. Can you, at a high level, give some insight, perspective, advice to people listening who are thinking, "Hey, I might partner with someone like the person who who you said, hey, they believe in me enough to financially support what we're doing," or they want to launch a business, but they need some additional capital to do it. Help yeah. us understand that better. I'm going to do the very best, but it's not going to take many words before I get out of my depth because there are so many people that know so much more. But I have just, I just, you know, really just went through this process. And there's a lot of people out there that know more than me, but it's basically how much do you believe in yourself and the product or services that you're providing? And just really be honest and self-reflect on that. And then think of a year out, three years, five years out, what would be your company's hope to be appraised by? So if I'm just going to be completely candid, in five years, I want Paper Giants to be appraised at $10 million. So if it's going to appraise at $10 million and I need this many clients paying this amount a month every year to get an appraisal of that, well, I need upfront capital and then how much would I how much am I willing to give an equity of my company and then how much is that equity worth to a potential investor you know so let's just say it's a hundred you know your, your company's worth a hundred thousand hundred thousand dollars every every percent's worth ten thousand dollars and so you know is your idea worth that money to someone that's going to invest that money and so ha- meeting someone that and then what's their partnership is it is it strictly monetary it, are they going to have are they, you're going to have a board. Are they going to sit on that board? Are they going to, are they going to be, you know, sometimes I love the story of Rocky. I don't, I love movies and Sylvester Stallone wrote the first Rocky in 1975. I think you can check that date. That may not be exactly right. And he had no money, homeless. He had a dog. He was eating dog food, sharing food with his dog. A company got the script, offered him $30,000, $30,000 in 1970s, a lot of money, especially if you have no money. But the contingency was he couldn't be in the movie. We want the script. We love the script, but we don't want you the lead man. And he said he ended up saying no to that money because it wasn't right for what he wanted. And obviously, we know the the history now of, of Rocky and all the things that Sylvester Stallone has done, but he bet on himself. And so that's what I always tell anybody, young or old, starting a company or sharing equity is equity. Is it equitable for you and is it equitable for the partner? And sometimes it's easy to say yes to a short a short term cash grab 
but potentially long-term, either relationally with that investor or just the equity wasn't, wasn't right. And so I would always be careful when it comes to giving away some of your business. And I just, I got really lucky to give away someone that really cares about what my vision and, and the mission that we're doing. And we, we came to a really, again, equitable agreement on how much and how much he got of the company and how much he was giving up front. And so anybody would I'd always say, how much do you believe in what you're doing? Because that belief is going to be able, because when it comes down to it, I'm going to give you $100,000 for 10%. I'm going to give you whatever, this, that, and the other. Those numbers start flying around. If you're not sure of yourself in the meeting, you can maybe make a deal that you may regret later. So for me, it was really understanding that I really had a powerful belief in what we were going to do, what we we're going to accomplish. And I had some things that I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to move on. And it just really ended up in a, in a really good spot for us. Mike, I'm so grateful for you to share uh, that degree of of insight and your transparency in answering that. I think that will will really be uh, such a helpful bit of knowledge for uh, those listening. And this is an aside, and we don't have to linger here long, but you mentioned a movie closer to my era, Rocky, of course. Is it true that most of the good music uh, that we all enjoy today seems to have come from that era of the uh, 70s, 80s, and maybe 90s. What we, you know, is that true in your opinion? <laughs> I'm not a, I am definitely not one to speak, uh, but the, the 70s are some of my favorite eras. I was born there, but the classic rock is near and dear to my heart. And there's some, there's some ballads that if it doesn't get make the hair stand up on your arms, I don't think you have a pulse. So I, I would, I would leave it there. Well, Mike, I appreciate your, your, your very correctness in, in that <laughs> answer. That was, that was uh, appreciated. Uh, yeah. You know, I, it, it, it was just a, an observation that it yeah. seems that much of the good music that we all enjoy seems to be closer to my generation than yours, but it's fine. Let's move on Absolutely. with uh, the podcast questions. Before we, before we leave the start of business uh, train of thought, um, let me ask you this question, and it may be bet on yourself. Your answer, you may have just answered it, but if if one of your very close friends was going to was really wrestling with starting a business and you were going to give them one piece of advice what would it be one of my friends starting a business one piece of advice hmm that's an incredible question not knowing the context of if they're leaving something more secure and where they're going and their gift mix. I would say if you don't make any money in three years, but you are doing, is this something that you love enough to go three years without income? Hmm. Okay. Wow. That really helps crystallize the commitment that, that you're talking about being all in. You know, when you, when you talk about, uh, living in that way, um, Hey, can you go three years without earning income or whatever it may take, um, you know, in order for this to be successful, do you believe in it enough to make that sort of commitment? Awesome. So Uh, go ahead, Micah. No, I was just going to say, you know, for the beginning of this company, and I'm not sure if we'll get into staffing and things, but I have two people, a part of the team with me that I am doing everything I can to make sure they're taken care of while I still have yet to take uh, $1 from the company. 
and plan to do that until either my savings runs out or it just not it doesn't become feasible anymore. Because again, not because I'm so great, it's because I believe in the people that I needed. I needed them to make this dream come true. And what it took was for just what financially was impossible for me to take and for them to get. So I chose for them to get and me to go for a while and still kind of an unknown time until I can really start taking from the company because it wasn't going to work without them. I couldn't have, I could accomplish the mission that we are doing now in future without, without sacrificing in the short term from, from me financially. Well, Micah, that, that is incredible. And, you know, it makes uh, for those of us who are rooting for you, uh, root even harder that you've made that sort of investment in your team and sacrifice uh, for your team and for the company. Um, it, it's obvious that you have bet on yourself, and and um, you know we're we're rooting for you uh, as you um, uh, head down the the road. Uh, a question about communication and content creation. You're yeah. an expert. In those areas, you're an expert in communication. You're an incredible communicator. I've seen you many times communicate communicate to audiences of a variety of sizes, and you're just incredible. Um, many leaders give presentations to their team or to their board or as an industry expert at conferences. What advice would you offer regarding content and the communication of that content in a presentation setting? Yeah, that's a great question. And the only reason I'm going to rapid fire this a little bit, because you did send me a couple questions, because normally that question would take a little bit of a rumination on my part, but you sent me a couple of things and I was prepared for this one. I would say care more about who's in the room than what you prepare to say. So when I had the, I had the unbelievable opportunity to pick up Dr. John Maxwell from the airport. He's a close friend of my father's. And so I was just his, his Uber driver for a couple of days and I was driving him to when he was speaking. I asked him a very similar question. Hey, what are you doing? You've been in every green room across the world before you speak. What are you thinking about? He said, I'm thinking always about the people that are going to be listening to me talk. You call me an expert and it makes me feel good inside. Dr. John Maxwell is an expert. I would say you're an expert. And so too often experts can become too concerned with their expertise than the people that they are trying to teach. And so I, I always, before I speak, want to want to connect with the people in the room and help them and add value to them more than I want to walk off from a standing ovation. And sometimes I don't even mean that. I, I want a standing ovation more than anybody. I love the applause. I love acclaim. I just, it's something that I wrestle with, but I always tr really consciously try to who is in the room, if it's a board members or if it's uh, your team, what are they going through? What, what's, the, what's, their, what's their temperature like? What's their family going through? Where are they waking up? What time of day is it? Who is in the room? Obsess over people in the room before you ever kind of obsess over your content or your, your delivery or your points or your cadence and tone and your strategy and what you want them, but what not the, what they want you to walk away from. If, if we're as communicators or storytellers care more about the people in the room, I, I think always it'll walk away with more value ever added than if it's just all about the content that we're delivering. Mm, so. That was gold. That was just a gold nugget of wisdom. Um, about communicating, uh, Micah, that, that, and that reminds me as you were saying that, that is so similar uh, 
to what I see the most effective leaders, especially in coaching situations when they're when they're coaching a member of their team. And there are a lot of different reasons we coach to um, improve performance or continue good performance or to build a habit or change a behavior. Um, and there's the directive piece of coaching. There's the supportive piece of coaching. But one of the things that I see so similar to what you said is the best and most effective coaches always are aware of who they're coaching and the uniqueness of each individual, unique in experience, unique in skill set, unique in personality, unique in motivation, what motivates them. So I, that totally resonates with me uh, about what you said. The same is true about communication. Hey, who am I going to be communicating to and with? And what would be um, the best way to connect with them? Uh, fantastic. Well, because the truth is, truth doesn't always equal action. And truth doesn't always equal value. You know, you can, like you said, you're going to go in there and you're an expert. You're going to, you're explained to them. If that was the case, there wouldn't be no one unhealthy because everyone knows the truth that don't, don't eat cheeseburgers and pizza. I'm telling you that truthfully and I'm communicating it to you effectively. I have a story. I have a three point slide, but it's obviously not connecting with them. Truth doesn't always equal action. Truth is not always equal to value. If we're not getting involved in who they are, it can't, it's not just, it's not good enough just to be an expert. It's not good enough just to be right. We have to connect with them on, on a molecular level if we want them to actually change. If you just want them to, to have a couple of good, cool phraseologies and some cool lines and be retweeted, good on you. But if you want actual transformation, if you want people to change in, change in your organization or the people of organization that you're speaking and coaching, it has to, it has to come from a different way or it, we're just going to do more of the same. Thank you. Excellent, Micah. Just uh, thank you for that. Michael, what are the most common mistakes that you see presenters or leaders in a formal communication setting? They're on a stage or before their team up in front of a group and they're communicating something. What are the most common mistakes that you see uh, those presenters make? The first would be mistaking speed and physicality for energy. So if you're a communicator and you're nervous or you're getting up there, a lot of communicators, if they're nervous and or they, they have a lot of content or for whatever reason, they start talking faster and faster and moving more and more because they believe that gives you energy and it, and it connects with the audience. It actually, more oftentimes will exhaust your audience because they are focused so much on burning calories, trying to understand what you're saying because you're talking too fast. I have this, I have a massive problem with this. Because as a communicator, we're, we are kind of consumed with beats and tone and the cadence in which we speak. But our listeners are really okay if you slow down just a little bit. Not more than they're okay. They can hear better. They understand more. Hmm. And we as communicators feel like, no, that's I'm wasting either moments in the, in the presentation or I feel like I'm dragging. I'll be boring. Actually, a well-timed pause and an intentional feeling of the room can really actually recapture people rather than really hitting them with a lot of speed and a lot of movement. And movement's fine if you're in the middle of a story and you're trying to you're trying to build up to an energy. But if it's all energy all the time, if it's all high talking, it's all in your throat voice, your audience will end up being exhausted and you're going to lose some of them. Because again, like Donald Miller said, I'm not sure if some of your listeners know him. 
We're just trying to conserve energy. We are human beings. We're trying to conserve calories. We want it to be as easy as possible for us to digest what you're saying. And if it's difficult for me, the shorter our attention spans become, I'm, you're going to lose me. And I'm either going to get on my phone or I'm just going to start daydreaming. If you're talking to, I, I, you, we are serving them. So you can't say, well, their, their attention span is too short. Well, you can, you can feel that way, but you're not going to ever be effective as a communicator. The communicator, it's our job to learn and adapt the best way we can communicate to the people in the room. And oftentimes, talking just a little bit slower can really be effective in, in helping you go to the next level as a communicator. It's a great tip. And I would say that uh, likely everyone who has given a presentation at some point has been, uh, unfortunately... Uh, guilty of speaking uh, too quickly, uh, trying to put in too much content. I have certainly done that. And that is a great tip. Mikey, well, this is, please. No, go, sorry. But how many times would you say, if you're going to give a 30 minute talk, how many times are you going to, how long and how many times are you going to rehearse and practice that talk for 30 minutes? And I've never given it before. You've never given it before. It's new content to you. It's 30 minutes. How long are you going to take? How many times are you going to, how long are you going to spend with that content? I'm going to take quite a bit of time in preparing uh, because for me personally, I I very much try to adhere to your first principle of connecting uh, to the people in the room. And that is more difficult when it is uh, somewhat of a a very uh, diverse group at a conference where you really have such a a different uh, possible mix of individuals. in their level and in their experience and on and on. But if I've never presented the topic before and it's 30 minutes, um, it could take me, oh, uh, and I always think I'm so slow at this. It could take me easily um, five hours to put together the talk and then to practice it. um, You know, I'm going to run through it probably when it's all done, Micah, four or five times um, and, and, you know, uh, further out. And then I, I somewhat put it up and then as it gets closer and then the day of, I'll go through it all again. Absolutely. So we're talking probably a mean average of 10 hours. Once preparation, all the rehearsals are done. For 30 minute talk. Yes. And they've, they didn't get any of that. So you get hours with that content. They have no time and we're going to talk quickly about something I spent 10 hours preparing and they've never heard this content before. Why would we? So we're doing ourselves even a disservice. We did all that rehearsing and practicing. We blow through it too fast. They've never heard it. That it's even slower than you can imagine. You're teaching them brand new content that they or a really cool idea that they've never heard of or they have it, but not from you. They don't know who you are. They don't know your cadence, your style, your character, your personality. So give people opportunity to really hear and digest what we're saying. Whatever time you gave to that, that's your knowledge. They don't have it. We have to teach them the content and it just takes a little time. And we just, if we can take a breath. And communicate clearly. I think we can. It, it can make us all a little bit better. Oh, that was incredible! Um, and I appreciate you even uh, allowing me to be, um, you know, a part of that uh, illustration because that really resonated with me. And I see the same thing um, in leaders who are perhaps working with their leadership team, and the leader has reviewed the data, and and it usually uh, has a numerical. Many of these examples that I see, I'm working with a team of people or I'm working with a leader and I'm there while they're working with their team and they have studied the data. They know the data. 
but not everyone in the room has had that same privilege. And so they blow through it often. And there's that uh, uneasiness sometimes that sits in the room of, man, I, I was, I got left behind on that and I want to ask about it, but, but um, you know, is this going to take me into the land of stupidity? If I, if I uh, raise my hand, of course, the best leaders create an environment where you can ask that question and you don't feel stupid. But anyway, Micah, fantastic point. Um, this has been incredible. Is there anything else you'd like to add uh, tonight? Absolutely not. I'm here for. I'm here to answer your questions, and I appreciate the opportunity. It's been unbelievable. I think you and these podcasts have added so much value, and I hope you continue to do them. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it, and thanks for being on Leadership Upside. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to this episode of Leadership Upside, where we discuss what successful business leaders in diverse organizations are doing, saying, and thinking. Today, our guest has been Micah Stevens. For more information about Paper Giants, please visit their website, papergiants.tv. Until next time on Leadership Upside, I'm Chuck Carringer. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us today. Head over to chuckcarringer.com for more information.